Hello and welcome to the SkillFlex podcast. This one is specifically very interesting for us because it's the first time that we are doing a video podcast on Spotify. And who better to join us for this episode than Rakhi Chachra? Rakhi leads the sales and business development globally in Telecom 5G at IBM. And uh, she spent over two decades in the industry, specifically in the IT and telecom industry. She's worked across diverse roles in M&A, future of work, strategy and business development, solution product management, client engagement, and business consulting. Thank you so much, Rakhi, for joining us today. Thank you, Ikhnor, for having me. Uh, pleasure being here, and I'm really excited to have this conversation. I think uh, with the experience that you come with, and like the fact that you've spent over two decades in the industry. In this entire duration that you've been in sales, particularly, what kind of a shift have you seen in the way we sell? And obviously the world has changed a lot in this duration, but how have you witnessed this shift? Gosh, so <clears throat> of course there's been a lot of changes, especially with technology coming in, you have more tools, dashboards, AI interventions available to tell you real time how you're doing, what you're doing, what's not working. Um, I, I think all of that, of, of course, has come through. But the basic tenants uh, of sales, I don't think, have gone through so much of a change. If I were to look at uh, earlier and now, if I was to look at what makes a good sales leader and what makes a good sales professional, all of them have excellent, the ones who are really good at their job have excellent sales uh, client relationships and are the ones who take the time to know the customer, understand their needs and, are, and take that extra initiative to help them uh, learn and grow. They are great listeners. And here I'm talking about active listening curious and are always trying to know more so they're they're always in that dialogue of uh spending time trying to know more so if you have them in a conversation 70 percent of the time they're listening i think so that's one attribute that i've seen and it's consistent across uh before and now or then and now however you put it um the other common factor is uh that they are very collaborative uh, right from the beginning, they realize that they, they're working as a team and each member brings in uh, complementary skill sets and they treat everyone as equals. There's no alpha sales person saying, I know it all. I'm the one closing the deal. Uh, of course, they, they appreciate um, the attributes of the entire team. I think that's 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 the other key um, characteristics. Um, and I think the one um the other one is um, networking and resourcefulness so successful uh, sales leaders always find a way to overcome obstacles and uh, creatively identify new opportunities they have an inane ability to identify how a problem uh, can be solved or uh, how a competitive advantage might be gained for both them and their client and I think they're very effectively able to leverage the resources, not only within their own organization, but partner, client, and their network. So all in all, it's a combination of all these traits, I believe, that helps uh, one be successful. And 
the key difference uh, in your question, I think now you have more access to information tools uh, that help you gauge how you're functioning and how you're doing versus earlier. I hope that answers your question. Absolutely. In fact, I have a lot of follow-up questions. I'll start, with, I'll start with one. And that is that what I get from what you just said was that there are a lot of emotional intelligence traits and a lot of behavioral skills that come into play over SOP-driven technical knowledge when it comes to actually implementing sales on the ground. Is that is that correct? Yeah, so there's a lot of, um, I would say, soft skills. Uh, is that if, you're, if that's what you're referring to? So you have- your We refer to them actually as power skills because uh, Josh Burson actually once said very, uh, one, you know, obviously he's been talking about power skills for a while, but he once said that uh, soft skills are actually the hard skills that you Absolutely, need. Absolutely, yeah. Because um, it's about empathy. It's about listening. You know, you, as people, we are so driven to have um, a last word in to contribute. And we feel the success or measure of success is how much we talk in that one 15 minutes. So when we go, for example, a presentation, um, we have an hour's presentation and we'll talk for 15 minutes. You don't room, leave any room for dialogue discussion. So ideally, if you have an hour's presentation, talk for 25 to 30 minutes. The next 30 minutes should be on what you've talked about, what is their reflections and things like that. So it's not about how much you say, it's about how much you are able to gain uh, from that uh, interaction, right? So I feel that's the focus and it's very hard because we are not wired like that. We are wired to, to talk. But is that also what sales professionals are taught right at the beginning? Because you know, like, do you think there's a problem with the way onboarding happens in sales? I think it's it's about what you believe sales is all about. I mean, if you go out and, and you watch professionals at work, that's not how they operate. You will see them being more aligned to uh, understanding what the needs are. How can you put a solution together if you don't know what is it that the client wants, right? So you start with knowing what is the client need? How can you help them? And then, and then you get into this. I think this, uh, when we when we hear about sales and we think about uh, that, we think we perhaps look at it in a way of uh, sharing a lot more information. But it's not about that. It's not about how much you know. It's about how much uh, you're able to understand client needs and then tailor the messaging accordingly. Uh, and I think, yeah, it's a, it's, it could be, uh, like you mentioned, a lack of proper um, induction training to what is expected. But I feel today, I mean, I, that could have held through 15, 20 years back. But today, there's so much information out there. I mean, you, you just do sales, effective sales leader, and you'll get like 20 how-to. So I, I would, I wouldn't say it's, it's, it's not available. It's about how much you want to follow the information that's available. True, absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think organizations are kind of getting into that zone of, you know, not just focusing on SOP driven sales and like telling people that, oh, this, this needs to be done. You've got to do it the way we are telling you to do it. They are open to everyone kind of just finding their own niche as well. 
when it comes to the way they sell but i want to understand i want to get into like the specifics now which is when it comes to sales uh there is a lot of pressure there are targets that you're looking at kind of meeting and professionals are usually like constantly swamped with work um that makes it really hard for them to take a step you know like out of that work and say okay i'm going to just spend some time on upskilling myself so how do you make sure that your sales team actually performs well you're right i mean i absolutely right that uh, there is a when you're working in sales there's a lot of pressure especially with numbers and it is even more pronounced when you're working in a services led industry or company where most individuals carry both revenue and signing target and uh, i think one of the key attributes here is having clarity and having the right mindset and preparedness and i can't em- emphasize um preparedness enough um having a well uh, thought through engagement plan that is aligned to the organizations and clients um short and long term objectives is a must uh, as well as working on a robust p- pipeline which is a p- like we've heard 3x or 4x um in addition uh, to this having traits like um, being agile leveraging the sales tools dashboards and seeking support where where you need uh, is 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 key um, and and of course um, having these incentives and recognition programs and all 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 help in uh, helping us achieve that now that's that's answering one part of your question the other part when you said is in all of this how do you make time um i mean you'll only have 24 hours in a day you'll always have things so that's why having um uh prioritization is important uh if you don't spend time i mean for example for me i i kind of uh, have identified that i need to take out 2 hours every uh week on learning something new so i can i either do 20 minutes a day or you know however but i i know i have a 2 hour a uh, target that i need to achieve and if i can do more great but at least a minimum of 2 hours a week uh and if you look at it that way if you break it down into doable uh short uh, achievable goals i think it is possible and uh, i mean you're doing it for yourself right so the more you know the more you can engage the better uh, conversations you can have and that all leads to um better business results in the long run Okay, this actually made me think because um, something that I've noticed over the last few years, and particularly, I'll I'll just take COVID as like the point when I think that shift began. Uh, right when COVID hit and people kind of started working from home, when when it came to a person's growth, they suddenly felt like it stopped. It just stalled for a bit, right? Because there was no on-the-job learning. that was happening very actively as it would earlier right so suddenly like people took it upon themselves that no you know what like i'm going to upskill myself and then edtech really kind of took off and everyone started doing these small courses and you know while sitting at home just ensuring that they are also growing uh in the way they do their work that shifted about you know a year into that into this entire trend where organizations were suddenly under pressure to do something when it comes to learning and growth because 
people started expecting that out of organization saying that you know what you need to invest in my growth because i can't come to office anymore and i'm not meeting 10 people every day now we are at a point which is very interesting because organizations are very happy to invest in you know learning and development but they are facing a host of challenges and one of them is adoption how do you look at that shift when it comes to learning and development so very very interesting point you know um i would say previously when when i started my when i started my career i actually thought it was the organization's responsibility to train me okay i the whole entire onus was on the organization and everything and as i went through uh, this journey i realized that uh, the biggest um, challenge i think is establishing uh, a culture which is promoting self development and learning using all the uh technology that is available you know from bite sized uh programs to very deeper training modules to learn at my pace when i want how much i want and etc etc so i think they should definitely leverage that as a first step you have to have that culture imbibed in the organization i think that is number one there's no dearth uh, like you said there were there was never any dearth of uh programs before uh, of course there was this um, mindset that said that if until you don't sit in a training program altogether uh it's not going to be as impactful and in some cases absolutely true you know when you're doing programs on uh, being better leaders and and you know uh, especially uh, power skills uh, you need to learn understand see different uh, reactions and then uh, work it's it's much difficult to do it in isolation but there are host of technical training and and things like that that really don't require a classroom classroom uh, format i think that's one and uh, i think the other one um important pieces mentoring and coaching um i can learn i can go and do an online course i can uh, do all of this how do i how well am i putting it in practice having someone who can observe you give you feedback um helps in um closing the loop so to speak so um i think if if uh, if you can able if you're able to provide these two um Uh, opportunities no i don't know if we can call them opportunities but do these two um uh ways of engagement that is a uh, having a culture that is self promoting and then having uh, mentors who are there guiding you i think that becomes really powerful for you to grow you know when you do something and you know you're doing it well you go back to the learning board and say okay i can learn some more it it works Absolutely. In fact, when we talk to a lot of organizations, one of the things that we've realized is that at the end of the day, you know, you could be offering one of the most viable learning solutions to them, but at the end of the day, they only care about how that's impacting their, you know, uh, business outcome. Is it impacting their metric? Is it something that is going to lead to immediate results? And it all kind of boils down to: Can I measure the ROI of that learning? So, uh is that something that you face yeah just just to, to add like a lot of companies now uh they use a um, number of learning hours as a as part of your performance uh, evaluation criteria so there is a base number that you need to do and if you go and do more than that that will be factored in when they look at your performance overall so that's another way of ensuring that um 
employees jump to it. I think that that's all tied into that culture of learning. So it's it's standard for the entire organization. Everybody, irrespective of what role you're in, needs to do X hours in a year. And that's counted in, as your base uh, performance metric. Okay, I, I, don't, I don't mean to sound very cynical here, but oftentimes when there are budget cuts, one of the easiest budgets to get kind of deducted is L&D. And this is something that organizations have been like struggling with for a while. I know that so many L&D heads are like full of angst because they're like, you know, we want to do so much, but we can't because our budgets are constantly getting cut. Why? Uh, you as a sales leader, do you not feel that, the, that investing in learning will actually improve business to, like, to a large extent? Or do you think that there's just... There's too much, when there's too much going on, learning is not priority. I think it'll always be a tussle uh, because there's always too much going on. You're in a sales role, there's an opportunity, you're, you're, you're hunting, you're farming, you know, you're, doing, you're always in that mode. There might be um, periods when it is a little slow. Um, like I said, it all comes down to having that internal motivation that if I expand my skills, I will do better not only in this role, but also for future roles. Um, so, so it's a self-motivation is very important. And, and then coming to your question on um, budgets. Uh, I feel across the board, the first thing that gets hit is training, then travel, then um, uh, marketing. Uh, and eventually, you know, so that's a cycle. And there's, I, 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 I feel bad for them. I feel bad for us as well. But it's it's um, the economy. It's how the economy is, and it's how you have to survive, right? And the greater good is not to lose people. I mean, if I was to offset training versus losing an employee, I would offset training, right? So it's in terms of prioritization. So there's no um, easy answer to this. I, I I believe in today's day and age, with the uh, availability of uh, online medium and very very engaging platforms a lot of this can be addressed uh, more uh, efficiently and effectively uh, I think as long I think if you look at it being more uh, in innovative uh, there's a lot of room for innovation in this area because you you know only when you're pushed in a corner and you know that this the conventional way is not working you look for new you pivot and you find new ways of uh, engaging with the audience and i think they've done a fantastic job so now uh, just going to my tech side with ar vr you know having those uh, access to that the metaverse there's so much you can do uh, you can actually you know the question that i said about being in an actual classroom you can be sitting anywhere in the world but actually be together in a um meta world in a meta classroom and uh, and get the information and the education ask questions be interactive all of that gets covered so you are basically using technology leveraging all the information that you have in a, and packaging it in a new way to address uh, client needs right now everyone's talking about learning in the flow of work everyone's talking about just you know making like condensing that training process from like a day full of like lectures and like a day of workshops to something that can be implemented on a day-to-day -day basis something that does not require more than 10 minutes of time investment how do you think that works yeah so i i, I would like to 
answer that in two parts. A, um, I think having access to that. So when I'm, for example, um, trying to work on new Salesforce uh, tool, uh, there is there are already tutorials telling me how do I engage, what do I do, you know, step by step. So I can um, access that work as much as I want, understand that. So that's one part, right? Awareness, accessibility. I think they work tremendously well and they save everyone's time. Uh, the other aspect I would say is even when I get a bite-sized information on, say, negotiation or or sales, you know, on, on the power skills, uh, I I go back to the po point I made earlier. You have to have, it has to be a consistent and there has to be a follow-up. Just because I've attended a 20-minute or an hour, two hours course doesn't uh, give me the skill set uh, that I need to uh, have it on a recurring basis. So I need to practice. So, you know, it, it doesn't take away just because I have information, access to information that's that's been made very easy. I can access information anytime, anywhere, in any format. First part clicked. It works. How do I retain that information? How do I maximize the information that I have? For that, you need practice, you need to follow up, you need uh, all of those. Those steps can't be taken away. And they then fall um, on the individual and also on how the course is um, uh, structured. Perhaps for skills which are very uh, important, we should, uh, we sh it is, should become mandatory that you have to go in and uh, do a follow-up or have a a discussion with a coach to talk about your learnings you know maybe not mandatory but make it a part of the curriculum so that it is some form of spaced reinforcement essentially yes. I think that's the only way uh, you can um, address that absolutely agreed 100% <laughs> I think that's uh, it's also very interesting and I'm, I'm you know almost like smiling from the inside as well because that's that's genuinely what we are trying to do at Fundamento and it almost feels like uh, it's being validated when you like highlight that point but uh, I want to change gears slightly over here um, you earlier mentioned you know client relationship management specifically first I want to ask you do you think that you know as a metric uh, when you are working as a salesperson what is that one metric that you really really want to achieve and B, like the second part of that question, is what skills do you think you really need? And, you know, client relationship management becomes a part of that because I think very often people kind of absorb client relationships at the surface level. I don't think they dig deeper. They look at it as very like cold calling, establishing a connect, networking, but they don't really dig deeper into long-term relationship management for me a client of course client relationship is the is is fundamental if you don't have a good client relationship nothing else will happen so when you have good client relationships you're able to engage you're able to assess you're able to identify opportunities uh, and everything else follows through so i think that's a prerequisite uh, i would say uh, from a sale uh, from a sales skill perspective um Again, I go back to uh, active listening, curiosity, patience, agility, and knowledge. And knowledge not only of your uh, your domain, 
but also of your client's vision, purpose, and having an understanding uh, of the market, the trends, the competition, and how, how all of this information affects both you and your client in the medium to long term. I think it, it's it's not isolated to one thing. It's a combination um, of all of this. When you're able to do this, uh, then your conversations are very different. It's not about what I want to sell. It's about how can I help uh, address your business needs? What is the problem that we can solve together? If you're working in partnership, uh, the automatically you will find avenues, you'll find areas where you can bring in value. And, uh, and I think that's what the mindset is. Uh, so when you, you don't go and sell a product, you go and um, solve a business problem. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I totally resonate with that. Can you share some examples where you have seen like client relationship building playing like a very, very crucial role when it comes to selling? And it'll be great to know if that if, if it was disruptive in any way, in the sense that, you know, when you look at traditional the traditional way of doing sales, and then when you look at like actually nurturing a relationship with a client and like really going out there to understand their needs. And then, like you said, not selling a product, but solving their problem. Did you ever experience that kind of disruption? So, yeah, I mean, several. I, I like to take one example, which is perhaps a, a little harder to do because it's not on your home turf and you're working uh, for a client, which is. Uh, in the region. So uh, there was this opportunity that um, we were pursuing, which was uh, in the APAC region. And uh, the account team was an ongoing discussion. There was a mergers and acquisition and we were on the technology side of thing. And it was, uh, we were pitching for a consulting project uh, to help them on this merger. And then this required us to move outside our comfort zone. So normally when you're in the technology business, you deal with CTOs. Uh, even you're doing this consulting project, we were going to be targeting the CMO, uh, the CIO, and so on and so forth. And it was a different ball game, and it was very important. And if it was very, very imperative that we did this project well, secured the project A, and did it well, because this would affect the larger billions of dollars of business that we normally do, right? So my role was uh, to manage the relationship with the stakeholders and guide the team on the opportunity and i was uh, because i was based out of india i was i was not uh, staying there i was traveling back and forth but i was letting working with the on ground team and and all of that so it's slightly harder uh, because you're not in there all the time and and you know sales cycles are really long it takes you can't finish it in a month so there was a lot of back and forth and there was a lot of coaching and mentoring the challenge here was that you were working with different business teams at the client side, market, you know, operations, analytical, sales, distribution, et cetera, et cetera. And I also needed to navigate the internal power sector of the client because they have different agendas to drive, right? And, and align all of this with the account, ex, account expectations, right? So uh, all of this uh, is at the backdrop. So what I think worked for me was clarity communication and commitment you know I was very very clear of what I wanted to achieve I had an action plan I had activities I had dependencies you know I had this like a map who is this person what's their um, area of focus how much uh, what is their relationship uh, index how important it is to map this individual where do they have um, uh, bearing in terms of 
power 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 dynamics in the organization because when you're looking at a uh, setup like this e you know each one comes with their own um traits uh, you need to make sure that uh, you don't rub them the wrong way you're 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 saying the right things at the right time you know so it's very important to understand all of those levers that you need to play around with. So I, I enlisted the on-ground support account team, which are working with them and use my analysis, ask them and had this game plan, uh, so to say, in place. What we were able to do then with all of this was that uh, we were clear on the outcome and having this well-defined action uh, helped. And we were able to, not that everything went according to plan. We were able to manage the uncertainties and unexpected problems uh, that come up, especially when you're working under pressure. Uh, we were able to identify some other opportunities for collaboration for different teams um, while we were on this and was able to motivate the people to get them on board because it was this common mission. Let's do this. We've never done this before. Let's try something different. We will uh, be trying something new and, and all of that. So it was successful. Uh, that's why I'm talking about it. Uh, we secured the project. Uh, it gave us a lot of visibility internally, especially in the C-suite, uh, other than this uh, CTO organization, uh, lots of goodwill recognition. And I'm sure all of that helped the organization to be, to be perceived as a partner, which is well-rounded, is looking for your growth overall, you know? So those were the attributes that helped. So in this entire, uh, description that I shared with you, it's always been collaboration. Uh, I, uh, I, I don't think I would have been able to do what I wanted to do if everybody was not on board. And I think that is very hard to get everybody on the same page at the same time, understand what we are driving towards, why is it important? It might be repetitive, but you have to get them all feeling that uh, we are all in it together. And each one matters and their contribution is going to help us get there. I think that feeling was there. Um, we had a common vision, mission, purpose, uh, and uh, and it was fantastic. Very interesting. I also feel like you've uh, left our listeners with some form of a model to follow as well by sharing that experience, which is, I think, very interesting. Just in terms of how sales teams operate today um you know where do you think we are at when it comes to developing these teams um in power skills definitely but also just ensuring that these teams are ready for the future of work and i think we're already there where you know we it's very fast changing uh, there's a lot of uncertainty you need to adapt you need to be very agile particularly yeah. So where do you think we're at and do you think we are headed in the right direction or do you think we need some sort of a, you know, we, a pause, you, you know, do you think we need to hit the pause button and reflect and be like, you know what, we need to change the way we are doing things. I think reflection in any area is very important because if you don't reflect, you will never know what works, what doesn't work. So absolutely always, um, always up for reflection and, and pausing and going back because that's the only way you get better. Uh, in There's one thing that I wanted to point out and, and perhaps we should have covered that earlier is that when we talk about training, sales training, it uh, it is not isolated to sales professionals. It's for everyone. Um, and I think that works better because when you work on, a, on an opportunity, you have... Uh, 
people from different backgrounds coming in. You have technical expert, analytical experts, marketing experts, you know, depending on the composition of what you're uh, looking at. And they all, uh, the, the power skills that you talk about, curiosity, empathy, um, active listening, is uh, not a prerogative of the sales team. It's, a, it's, it's important for everyone to have it. So I feel that this distinction between sales and power skills especially are for everyone. And, and the better the team is, uh, that is going to uh, give you better results. So, uh, so you should have programs curated to help both sales and non-sales develop and hone these skills. Uh, and not only those working with, not, and this helps not only while working with clients, but also in improving interpersonal relationships at work with your peers, with your subordinates, with the management. So uh, I think it's it's a complete package. And the programs that I've seen myself being very effective are consultative selling, critical thinking, uh, and I think special emphasis on communication and time management. Uh, I, 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 we, we kind of assume they're there, but uh, like you talked about the question on how do we prioritize, where do we build, take out time for training and self-development, time management. We, we all can do with better time management skills. It's almost like one of those uh, skills that are taken for granted. Granted, right? like yeah. Just, yeah, so it, because of that, it doesn't actually get any importance. And for someone who just starts off as a sales professional, they, do, they don't know how to navigate that skill or develop it because it's just understood that you will have it, but no one is actually sitting you down and telling you how to develop that skill. And that's why I think, um, you know, ensuring that your onboarding training, your regular, uh, you know, like, like you mentioned, the space reinforcement aspect of it definitely comes out as a must have in organizations. If I, am, am I right? Am I correct to say that? Yeah, absolutely. All right. I think we've covered uh, we've covered several aspects of how various things work in an organization. But I want to just uh, now give our listeners a sense of where are we headed. I am a technology person, and I believe uh, there's a lot of interesting uh, areas out there for us. Uh, like I mentioned, I talked about the metaverse and using that to help in development and, and all of that. But uh, with all these, these are all just tools, right, uh, to help you get better. In terms of, um, from, a sales, uh, from a sales perspective, I would say investing in all this data and AI is very important. We have the uh, ability to uh, get information on what works, what doesn't, right? So this reflection that we talk about, uh, what wouldn't be fantastic to be doing, be able to do this assessment, understand the needs and all the different uh, parameters that affect us at, uh, immediately uh, rather than wait for it. Um, so embracing uh, things like data and analytics to gain insights into customer behavior, identify trends, uh, that help us make more informed decisions. I think that should be a given. And that's where I see the future going. Uh, you know, move away from these boring Excel uh, manually operated sheets. Everything should be interconnected. Today, we work in an environment where you have your, uh, you have several sales tools. So, and each tool doesn't talk to each other. 
so you know having everything automated get rid of your repetitive tasks use technology for all of this so i'm a very strong proponent that technology can help enable us to get better so uh, invest in these fancy management tools and sales management tools and pipelines and platforms because uh, they save time spend more time in actual interactions that's not going to change like you the first question that i answered between then and now it still goes down to uh, people we are in a people business we uh, i am still reaching out to you i want you to trust me i want you to uh, believe in me and once i have your trust and i you believe in me communication flows uh, i will be able to interact with you better uh, understand your needs better at the end of the day it's all about that and once you get that the others will follow of course you're not going to do this at the at, uh, at the cost of not being profitable so you have all of those metrics in place it has to be profitable you have to meet your targets all of that but the first basic thing is uh, you need to be liked approachable uh, and trusted uh, by your uh, partner i think that wraps it up really really well thank you so much rakhi for all of these insights i think our listeners are taking away a lot from this episode and uh, it was a pleasure speaking with you and uh, thank you so much for being part of skill flex absolute pleasure being here and talking i hope i've uh, given you some insights i know i've got uh, i have a lot of ideas and maybe uh, i hope that that's that'll help the audience uh, in in their absolutely same- it it's helped me for sure because i think i take away a lot and i think with every conversation we learn a lot but uh, this has been a very very insightful conversation for sure thank you so much you can work thank you